You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to another episode of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And on this week's show, um, we have someone who I feel like has uh, flown under the radar a little bit uh, since he kind of blew up at college and has gone on to a, a very successful professional career. It's none other than none other than Taiwo Badmus. Um, kind of started playing very late. Uh, was actually um, spent <laughs> spent his first five years in London. Moved to Ireland until he was 16, came back to London, uh, which is where he first picked up a basketball um, with the legendary uh, Mike Carty down in South London, um, before sort of floating around a little bit um, and ultimately ending up in the States, uh, going to college, uh, where after two years at uh, NCAA Division II Fairmont State, uh, he transferred out um, to UVA Wise, where he put up ridiculous numbers, to be honest, um, after two years of barely playing and really kind of had a bit of vindication on his part, proving to himself that uh, he had the ability. It's a real underdog story um, where I think there are many times he could have given up, but he kept going and has now, uh, you know, spent... Uh, what three years pro uh, in Leb Silver where it was in his first year where he ended up helping them to promotion and he spent the last two years in Leb Gold um, in Spain so yeah he's no slouch uh, and it was really good to kind of hear his story uh, which I really didn't know a lot about until we got him on this so it was a fascinating uh, insight I think um, also gives a lot of credit to, to Midnight Madness um, and it, and it kind of shows you the importance of, of summer events as much as sometimes uh, we kind of uh, they're sometimes rubbish by the establishment as, as being street ball and whatever else but they do provide exposure and, and help players um, sort of get onto the next step so yeah, it wasn't until 2014 really where he kind of blew up on the scene and then that was what allowed him to, to then go to the States. So yeah, fascinating story. Really enjoyed chatting to him. Great guy. Um, so I think this this uh, interview will be uh, yeah as enjoyable for you as it, as it was for me as always. Just a quick note, there was some technical issues uh, with my mic. I'm not quite sure what's going on with this, but there's been a couple of episodes now where my mic has been inaudible uh, to the uh, interviewee. So at Midway through, I had to switch from uh, this mic to my laptop built-in mic. So there is a noticeable drop uh, difference in quality on my end for me, not for him. His his audio stays the same throughout. Um, so just yeah, just something to give you a heads up on. As always, before we get into the show, uh, please take two seconds to check out our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash H-O-O-P-S-F-I-X. There you can sign up to give us a monthly or annual contribution of as much or as little as you would like uh, to help us do the work that we're doing trying to grow this British basketball media landscape and we're coming direct to you our audience to help us do it so please consider donating the price of a cup of coffee the price of a sandwich uh, an amount of money that you wouldn't even realise leaving your account every single month but it goes a long way in helping us do what we do so please go and check it out uh, patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix as always uh, let me know what you think in the comments on YouTube uh, you can drop me an email if you prefer some private one on one interaction sam at hoopsfix.com or you can hit me up on every single social media platform at hoopsfix Anyway, that's enough from me. Uh, here is this week's show with Tawo Badmus. Tawo, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Yeah, it's going good. It's going good. Um, I'm glad that we've, we've sort of finally uh, got this to happen. You know, like I said, I'd, I'd love to kind of get into your journey, talk about how you got to where you are today. Um, and I think, that, you know, the place I always like to start is rewind it right back to the beginning. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not too aware of sort of your early start, but kind of uh, your upbringing and actually how you ended up first uh, picking up a basketball. 
Well, I, I'm more of like a late bloomer. So I started playing when I was about 16, 17. I was living in Ireland before. So I moved from the UK to Ireland when I was about five. And then, you know, I moved back to London when I was 16. So when I got back to the UK, uh, I wanted to play soccer at first. And then I think I was on YouTube and I saw like Alan Iverson. He actually got me into basketball. I saw him doing like the killer crossover and stuff. And I was like, it's pretty cool. So I actually was practicing with a soccer ball, trying to do those things. And then uh, I have a twin. So me and my brother, we were, you know, we used to practice together and, you know, uh, just uh, compete and stuff. And, you know, we went on the internet and was looking for teams around the UK because we were uh, in London, sorry, because we, we were freshly in, in London and we didn't really know anyone or we didn't have uh, a lot of uh, connects. So um, we were looking online and we actually saw uh, Damlala Taylor Center, which is in Peckham. Uh, Michael Cardi, uh, he passed away, may his, may his soul rest in peace. So he kind of took us in and uh, uh, taught us uh, the, the fundamentals, the basics of basketball. And I just, uh, I learned to love it. That whole summer I was in the gym with him uh, for about three months every single day for about five, six hours a day. Uh, and that's what really uh, kick-started my uh, basketball career, honestly. So that that um the Irish connection like wh- how what made you move to Ireland like, obviously I I knew about the Irish connection obviously you, you represent yeah. the, the Ireland senior national team uh mm-hmm. in in recent years um but yeah so you were originally until until five years old you were in London and then you moved to Ireland and then obviously at sixteen issue then moved yeah. back to London like what was the yeah. why did you move to Ireland and like what was the sort of reasoning uh, it was my family my father had a job there so we all moved there. And, you know, I have younger brother and sisters and they were born there. So we kind of just, you know, we went to school there and we were just there, you know. And where about, whereabouts in Ireland was it? Dublin. Dublin. Okay. And you, there was no, you didn't do any basketball in Ireland? Nothing, nothing. Okay. You know, I, I thought about doing it, but there was, I didn't have the opportunity. There was no teams around me. And we actually kind of, I kind of looked up some teams and they were like two, three hours away and. There's no way I was gonna, you know, travel two, three hours, yeah. uh, you know. So those, those early, uh, those early, that early, those early years, like six, well, it's not even that early, like sixteen. Obviously, yeah, like you said, it's 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 a, it's a late start. But I think that's yeah. that's the same for so many uh, players that have come through sort of the UK system. Is kind of picking up yeah. picking up basketball late, but. Um, yeah, like, you know, you mentioned Mike Carty there. Like, I know he's obviously provided, you know, countless opportunities to so many players in South London. Can you yeah. kind of talk about what it was like being under his tutelage? Um, I guess the the sort of the things that maybe stand out from you from those early sort of sessions, those those hours that you were putting in. And, and I guess also the, the biggest learnings uh, that you took from him. He was just, um, you know, he, he believed in me. He, he saw, he said he saw something in me that uh, I didn't know I had in me. And he was just like, you know, every day he was like, trust me, trust the process, uh, keep going, keep going. You know, when I was, uh, when I first started, I could barely make a layup, you know, and he would just keep telling me like, don't worry, don't worry, keep going. He, I was, I was a little athletic. I was fast. I was quick. I, I couldn't really jump that high, but I was fast. And he, and he saw I had like a first step and I had like a, a knack uh, with the ball and kind of stuff like that. And 
uh, he would uh, he just kept on pushing me. He would teach me the basics uh, from layups, right hand layups to left hand layups, and you know it, it was just an everyday thing. And I didn't really have much to do because I didn't know anyone, so it was just me and my brother. We was in the gym all day, so um, he just he he told us you know our hard work would pay off, and like even. Uh, during the summer, we would go to try and go to other sessions too, and you know the, the things we learned from Michael Cardi, we'll try and uh, implement them in other places. So we was just we traveled all over, and we just wanted we just wanted to learn. And, uh, had you started playing national league at this point? No. Did you ever so, play, did you play national? League? What was the, what was your progression played, into actually playing club basketball? One. I played one year of National League, so from the age of like 16 to 17, I guess that's where I was developing, uh, building my game. And Michael Cardi was like, okay, let's play National League. I think you're good enough to play National League. Uh, we'll try and, he said, we'll try and build a team around you and your brother because it was just me and me and my brother in the gym. So, you know, uh, some, some players would come in for like open gym and stuff. So we would, uh, he would tell us to, you know, help recruit players so we recruited like you know 10 9 to 10 players and he told us like okay this team is for you and your brother you know just use his experience and that year from 17 to 18 uh, that's when I kind of I kind of I knew I was improving because you know uh, from the age of 16 to 17 it was just open gym he used to have runs in flexman and I don't know if you heard of it, Damlon Taylor Center at Flaxman, and I'll play with the older guys, and you know that's I kind of that's what kind of helped me. They would teach me, they would teach me a lot of things, give me advice, and I added that to to what I did in in the National League. And I noticed I was I could score the ball, I was scoring the ball pretty well, and uh, I noticed I was improving. My IQ wasn't really there; I was just mainly like a street baller because you know. It was my first year actually playing organized basketball, but I was, you know, every, every game I was learning, I was uh, uh, trying to get better, and you know, we didn't win. We didn't win a lot of games at first. Towards the end, we started winning, but you know, um, it was good. And then I got more exposure, met a lot more people, met a lot more coaches. I think that's when I met um, Andrea. She was refereeing at the, at the. She refereed a few of our games. Andrea Norton. So Andrea Norton. Yeah. So she got to see me play a lot, and she was coaching at Hackney Community College, and, you know, she told me, like, what are you doing with basketball, this and that, and she she said, uh, you know, come come practice with us. I went to practice with them, you know, uh, I ended up signing up to, to the college and was playing with them, and, you know, that's where I kind of sort of started, and those, like, do you remember, like, because I feel like, uh, even though, obviously, you, you, were, you were around London, uh, sort of that time, I always felt like you were on the radar. Like it wasn't really until almost like until you went to the US and then started coming back in the summers was when it was like I feel like was that that was like when your profile really people started really well I, I don't know maybe it's just me but like that's when I really you really sort of came onto my radar and stuff like that. Like, do you feel like you had any type of um I don't know what the word like sort of recognition like do you, do you feel like uh you were sort of seen as a, a talented player with a lot of potential because 
I think your story actually looking at it now is quite remarkable in the sense that you started so late. You know, even then your first year, you weren't even playing sort of organized basketball. It was very much just working out and stuff like that. Uh, to then have gone on to, you know, being a professional and obviously playing at a high level. It's like, it's yeah, in, in those early, like at what point, I guess, did you feel like, um, oh, maybe I've got a future in this sport. Like I do have, you know, I do have potential. I am good, like compared to my peers and other players of, of my age. The the point I would say was after HCC. So after HCC, I told myself I wanted to go to the States. And, you know, I was emailing a lot of coaches and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, in terms of basketball, that age, when I was, uh, I would go to open gyms and I would notice, you know, I was, it was, it was easy. It was, it was easy for me. I was, you know, a lot of people, or when I, I noticed when people were afraid to, to guard me, a lot of people were afraid to guard me. And I, I started gaining confidence. You know, people would ask me what I was doing, this and that. And uh, I just I just started gaining confidence. And I think uh, Midnight Madness was when it kind of blew up. I think uh, we played in like Loughborough, we played in London. And that's where I kind of, my confidence was just on another level. And, you know, Midnight Madness, that's where all the ballers are at. So I'm seeing all these ballers uh, uh, come through and, you know, uh, it's um, we're having good battles and I'm scoring, I'm doing this, you know, my team's winning. And uh, I, I think uh, I got opportunities to go to the States. Uh, it was a few D2 schools were looking at me. Uh, so I, uh, I took that opportunity when I went to the States. Uh, I was improving my game and, you know, it was the summers I came back for like pro classic and stuff. Uh, I think you made, you made a highlight tape of me on or with the midnight madness and that kind of like went crazy. You know, everyone, that's when everyone kind of knew about me and, you know, I'd come back and I'd do things like the, I think it was fan fest or, or things like that. And you were there and that kind of, that kind of, you know, helped me. So, so that, that's summer with Midnight Madness because I think you were given like a they they I can't remember the name of the award they had like a sort of MVP of the summer that it was, was cool. the MVP. yeah so they like that but that was 2014 right so you had that, had you gone to the states summer. had you already that gone to the, the states or not that was the summer before I went to the states because what because the other thing that's interesting is obviously by the time you went to the states you were actually quite old like you were older yeah. than you would have been if you were a true freshman so yeah. by by 2014 so you're a 93 right so you'd have been 21 by the time you actually had gone to the states mm-hmm. what had you been doing between so did you go to the university in England had you gone to university in England before you'd gone to the, to the US so I went I did one year at the University of West London before I went Wow. Which it actually made it easier to go because I didn't really have to, you know, there's a lot of requirements of SATs and stuff like that. And I just transferred my credits. But it was uh, it was rare. Not a lot of people. Yeah. I don't think anyone has ever done that. But uh, I was I wanted to take the year out. But, you know, I got some advice and I was told if I took the year out, it would be difficult, you know, to to go out, to go out to the States. So I was talking to a lot of schools. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, I was trying to sort out like my transcripts. It's it's it's, it's difficult to do. Yeah. So things kind of fell through late, and I ended up just uh, going to university for that year. And I actually told myself if I didn't go to the states after that, I probably wouldn't play basketball anymore. And you know, you know, opportunities came up, and I ended up going. 
Wow. So were you playing basketball at the University of West London? I played, but it wasn't like a serious... It wasn't like, I don't know what division they were even in, but it wasn't anything seriously. So I played there. They practiced like once a week. So it wasn't really serious, you know. So it was just something to to do, you know. And what were you doing to keep your game? Because obviously that... So if you're talking about... You, you, you were at the University of West London for, for, for that year before the summer yeah. of 2014. Obviously, you come into the summer of 2014. And actually, I, I watched that mixtape that I did you of Made Up Madness uh, that summer which I encourage people to go and watch because it is pretty crazy. Like, the highlights were nuts. Um, but, like, obviously, you come into Midnight Madness. And, again, you know, that, that summer, as much as some people will say, oh, Midnight Madness isn't organised basketball and, you know, it's street ball and this and that, actually, when you look at the level of players that were playing in it, uh, you know, guys like Cavell, Bigby Williams, you know, guys like Terrell Isaacs, like, you know, there's a lot of sort of national team level players that play in it. The level of competition is high. And... As you said, like you very much stood out. Uh, like, what were you doing to keep your game kind of sharp um, and ensuring that, that you didn't drop off in that year when you, you know essentially you're playing bucks on a Wednesday in some lower division? You don't even know what it is, yeah. and you're probably practicing once or twice a week as a team. I was, I don't, I really, I was just in the gym, literally every single day, like all day, every day. Any opportunity I had, like I practiced with. If I if I didn't have a gym, if I had to practice with a women's team, I practiced with a women's team. If I had to practice with the younger team, I practiced with the younger team. The men's after the you know I was just always in the gym. I tried to you know keep sharp. If uh, high level players uh, wanted to work out, I'd work out with them. You know anyone that wanted to work out, I'd work out with them. I was working out with Lewis Annan from Let's Get Active. I was working out with him a lot also, but I was just always in the gym always. Because I know, because even, even though I was doing all that, you know, going to the States, it's a whole different level. So I was trying to focus my mind on, you know, the next level. Did you, uh, did you believe at that point? So, you know, there were, I guess there were points in life where, you know, you have to, there's like a sort of self-awareness you have to have and say, you know, as much as I, I know this is my dream, when I look at the reality of kind of where I am right now, I have to ask the question whether or not this is this is a uh, a potential option, or whether I'm kidding myself. Did you have did you have moments, I guess, in that year where the states hadn't you know had fallen through? You were obviously at university in England, where you questioned, you know, whether or not basketball was the right path for you, whether or not you you sort of believed in yourself anymore of, of potentially being able to uh, make it, so to speak. Definitely, that that whole year was was pretty stressful, you know, because. I had no idea what was going to happen. And, you know, I was studying also, so I kind of had that as a backup plan. I studied computer and information systems, so I had that as a as a backup plan. But that whole year, I was I was stressed. I was trying to, you know, I was trying to, trying to get something because I told myself, you know, I probably wouldn't play basketball after this if this doesn't, well, seriously, I wouldn't play basketball seriously after this if it doesn't work out. So, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking of other things too, but, you know, my plan A was to was to go to the states, and then when opportunities were there, kind of you know gave me more encouragement and to to keep going. And you know when those opportunities came, I, I knew what was what was going to happen. You you before we before we sort of get to the state stuff, like your time in London, um, you know from from the time when you, when you picked up a ball to the time when you were you know working out with with various guys, like uh, you know you spoke about 
um, sort of doing workouts and getting advice from older guys. Like, who were the names? Who were the players? Kind of uh, that you were playing with, that you were getting advice from, that you were working out with, um, that that were that helped you kind of on your path. Mainly, I would I trusted uh, Timmy. Timmy from uh, his coach of Southern Legends. Uh, I trusted him a lot. He used to, you know, he he's been around the game. Uh, he knew a lot of guys, so I trusted him a lot, and he would he would he was always advising me. Yeah, if if I had any doubts, I would go to him. He was he was a person. He worked me out a lot too. Uh, he after uh, Michael Cardi passed away, he worked me out. So he would he would give me a lot of advice, and till this day, he's still one of the guys uh, by my side, and I get a lot of advice from him. But in terms of players, uh, I, I try to be a sponge. Like I would. If I if I saw a kid do a move and it looked good, like how that's the kid, what can you show me that move? Like I wouldn't, I didn't care, you know, if he was younger than me, if he was worse, a worse player than me. Like I would literally anyone, I'll take advice from anyone. But uh, there was a lot of Americans that would uh, come back from the states too, and he, I don't know if you heard of Rashad. Surname? Rashad Rashad Uba. Uh, no, I don't know if I have. He he was an American, but he he has family here, so he was always he was always here. So he was one of the, he was one of the closest guys that that helped me to get out to the states, and he he was friends with Timmy also. So I'd get advice from him. He played for UC Irvine, so he was one of the guys I would you know I would uh, get a lot of advice from. What a, um the thing like so the '93 generation uh, when we're talking about sort of the. Yeah, that that sort of group of players that were representing the the England national team at that time, the ninety threes were considered um, sort of one of the the better generations. You know, we had guys like well Devon Van Ustrom. I'm trying to think of off the top of my head, Jesse Chuku. Uh, you know, who, who were the guys that you were looking to um, from your generation, or maybe a little bit older, maybe a little bit younger, that mm-hmm. were kind of like that you were looking to as like the best players of your generation, guys that you were either looking to go up against, match up against, um, or the guys that even maybe you looked up to on some level? Yeah. Um, I would say uh, Teddy was one of those players. Yeah. Lewis, Lewis Anna was a top player at the time. Um, Jesse, I was with Jesse Chuko a lot also. I never actually played with uh, Devin Van Nusham, um, but I heard a lot about him. And then a lot of guys from HCC, uh, Joel Henry, um, Peter, uh, Jarrell, um, Chuck, Prince, all those guys. I would look up to all those guys because um, when I, my first year playing at HCC, I wasn't playing a lot because all those guys were incredible players, you know. So uh, I learned a lot from those guys. Uh, so I definitely looked up to a lot of those players. And then no, just just out of interest, so your your twin brother that you started playing with, did he end up stop stop playing, or what did he do? He stopped he stopped playing pretty pretty early. Like after HCC, he just you know he stopped playing and focused on the studies and other things. You know. Okay, fair, fair enough. Okay, so we've got kind of your story in in uh, in London. You know, you have this amazing summer, summer twenty fourteen. Uh, where I think, yeah, like you said, you kind of rose to prominence within the UK anyway. I think within within circles, you were kind of uh, on people's lips, talk, pe- people talking about you. Going to the States, getting to the States, you know, I, th- I feel like you've spoken about um, the grind of like trying to make it happen. Like what was that process? What happened over the course of that summer that then ultimately al- allowed you uh, to end up getting a, a look at Fairmont State and, and going out to the States? 
Um, well, I had uh, I was emailing. I emailed a lot of coaches, so I had a lot of game film. Uh, I use a, I put all the game film together, put a CV together, you know, and just emailed a lot of coaches. And um, you know, I got some responses from some coaches because they weren't they were unaware of me. And at the time, players from the UK weren't really big, so they didn't really know much uh, about UK players. So they felt like they were taking a a, a huge risk. Uh, picking up, you know, a random UK player. So, you know, I would email a lot of coaches and then uh, it didn't really, that didn't really fall through. So I, um, Timmy and Rashad were the ones that really, really got me out there. So they, they connected, but it was, it was pretty late. It was around, cause you know, recruiting, they start recruiting around, you know, early February, uh, uh, April around them times and I kind of got this look around it's a Fairmont State I got the look around maybe June a little bit before June and Rashad kind of helped me with that he had a lot of connects in the states and he was like okay uh, I've got a school for you uh, they're uh, they're interested they want to fly you out this and that so uh, they flew me out to for a workout I had an amazing workout with them uh, and then I came back to the UK. So I ended up actually going to the school uh, uh, mid-semester because of uh, transferring my transcripts and stuff. It was, it's, it's, it's hell. Like, it, it took a lot of, you know, I had to go through a lot of things to transfer my transcripts. I ended up going to the school, like, midway through the semester. And that was another challenge, too. You know, so many young players have the attitude of, you know, Division One or nothing. They don't want to go to Division Two. At that point, like, did you find it difficult, like, uh, to go Division Two, or, or in your head, were you, did you feel like you deserved to go Division One, or in your head, you were just like, I just want to go to the states, kind of, I've done my year in the UK, at UK University now, and, and this is the option I've got. This is this is so I'm going to accept it regardless. That um, I felt I could I could play Division One, but the school I was going to was a was a big school, like it it wasn't just a regular D two school, it was a um, when I was there, they were ranked number one, number two, number three in the country. We played uh, Division One schools, uh, closed game, uh, closed door games, and we, you know we beat Division One schools. So that kind of, uh, I was, I didn't mind going to something like that, uh, to a situation like that. Um, and you know, it was because of my age and uh, a lot of rules with uh, transcripts and all that kind of stuff. It would have been difficult for me to go Division One, and so I had to I had to go with that. So I I went to Division Two, and I was uh, quite happy with that. How was that transition uh, going from you know what you've been used to in England um, to the states? Like and like you said, you know the school you had gone to, it was no slouch of a Division Two school. We're talking about one of the top Division Two programs in the country at that time, nationally ranked, you know, in the two years that you were there, went to two um, NCAA tournaments. Like, yeah, like that, That I guess the, the, the transition in, in environment of what you've been used to in, in England to, to what you then got access to in, in, in the States, like what were the biggest things that stood out for you? And I guess how did you find that sort of transition? It was... It's completely different. Like there was nothing that could have prepared me for that because you know going to the states, it's it's not about uh, what your the work you put in in the UK. It's it's more about the competition and who you've played against, and 
going to Fairmont State, there were those guys there. They were all like they were killers, you know. So uh, it takes a while to get to get used to the the pace, the you know, the tempo, the physicality, and you know, I I was just thrown right in. And because I went there, uh, I didn't get to do preseason with the school uh, or anything like that. Uh, so I went there in the middle of the season, so that even made things worse because uh, I wasn't as much as I was working out, I wasn't in shape because it, it's it's a different type of you know it's it's different. It's something you, I've never done before. It's the United States, and you know it's the basketball there is is different. So I wasn't in shape as much as I thought I was, and the school I was at they pressed like it was. Like, you know, West Virginia University, the, my head coach was an assistant coach there. So he kind of adopted the same philosophy and we pressed like and it was something I wasn't used to. I haven't, you know, played that kind of basketball before. And it took it takes a while to get used to it. Uh, you know, as, as much as you work out, as much as, you know, whatever, it takes a while to get used to. Did you did you find, despite the um, you know differences in athleticism and I guess intensity, as you're describing it, did you feel like in practices and stuff, um, skill wise, uh, you were at the level and you were able to compete, or did you feel like there was a transition period of even that as well? Even that too, because you can be skilled, but the the pace was real quick. It was a it was a fast pace, so you kind of. You kind of have to, you know, they, they do things, they go 100 miles an hour, but still in a controlled way, you know. Um, I, I felt like I was skilled enough, but the pace was just, it's something that kind of wows you. And the guys I was playing with, they're, a, lot of, a lot of that team, they all play, a majority of them play professionally right now. So it was a, it was a, it was a good team. And, uh, but there's always, there's always a transition. So I, uh, but one, I feel like once you get it, you get it, you know. But it it took it takes a while to get used to. I think the transition. How long do you think it took you? I think it took me because I got there half halfway through the season, so I think it took me that the rest of the season and the summer for me to get used to it. And you know, I I feel like if I did preseason with the team before. It would have been more of like a you know a lubricant before you know just jumping straight in and you know the, the summer where I got to do you know individuals with the coaches and you know they will teach me little things I would uh, watch film they'll show me uh, things I could do and things that I couldn't do like even for example we would run plays five on oh we'd run plays five on oh and they were going like a hundred miles an hour and. You know, they'll tell me like, okay, I know it's five or no, but you gotta cut like this, you gotta cut like that. And I'm thinking I'm going, you know, fast, and they'll show me on film, and it's like, wow, like I'm in slow motion, you know. And it's things like that you kind of, you know, you don't you don't know until you know they they tell you. So the those are the little things I had to do to 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 adjust. I'm right in understanding the your time there, your minutes on the floor, like during games were actually quite hard for you to come by. It wasn't like you were playing a whole lot. Was, did you find that hard um, to kind of deal with as well? Yes, yeah, it's because, you know, you have a lot of aspirations and expectations when you get to the States and you, you want to play a lot. But, you know, 
a lot of the times it's like uh it, i think first impressions are a big thing so my first impression wasn't very strong uh th they didn't have a really strong impression because of how uh it took me a while to to adapt to the situation and towards the second year of the season uh you know they already recruited players over me you know so it was kind of I was always fighting for minutes. And the second year I was there, I felt like in the practices I was dominant and, you know, I was, you know, showcasing, you know, but they already had the impression of me from last year and they just, you know, it, it didn't really shake off. And we were winning games also. So it was like, you know, they'll stick to, to what the coach will stick to, to what he's been doing. And, you know, uh, the team, the team, they, they recruited more players, but they had uh, the class I came in with. They were all, um, you know, they were starters. From, they, they've been starting since they were freshmen and they were sophomores at the time. So I wasn't going to the guys in my position, I wasn't going to play over them. So it was kind of it was kind of difficult to uh, and hard. And I kind of knew, uh, you know, middle midway through the second season that I was going to transfer because no matter what I did in practice, uh, I wasn't going to play and he wasn't going to really give me an opportunity. And one of the assistant coaches that recruited me uh, the year before actually left. So it kind of made things a lot harder also. And, you know, assistant coaches like to play the players um, they recruited. So it was kind of difficult and I kind of knew, knew that I was going to, I was going to transfer. I was going to say those. Um, so those those two. Well, season and a half, obviously. If you if you joined half season, but that, that those two years at Fairmont State, like, uh, do you have a lot of positive memories, or was it actually the you know very just very challenging because you were trying to deal with sort of getting used to the American game, and then of course knowing that no matter what you did in practice, it wasn't going to change uh, when it came to a sort of game time. But of course, you know, with that, you had you know I assume amazing experiences of going to the tournament and kind of seeing. Um, that level of program operate like uh, yeah like are there when, when you look back on your time there are there sort of real positive standout memories like kind of how would you summarize, summarize your, your time uh, with Fairmont State yeah I, I honestly I have no regrets going there because I learned a lot like if I'm glad I went to a situation like that because uh, in terms of you know uh, learning from the players and the coaches it, it was a high level so I'm I'm glad I went there, and then just experiences like not playing and going through things like that. It kind of you know uh, you need to you need to be strong minded to go through through things like that. And I'm glad I went through that kind of kind of early on in my career because I even though it happened, I was still you know I was still trying to uh, grind and you know fight for minutes. And you know there was times I would after the game. I would be in the gym. I had the keys to the gym. I'll go to the gym at 2 a.m. You know, I couldn't sleep because of the situation. It, it kind of shaped me as a player and kind of, uh, you know, made me more, uh, uh, it made me a tougher player. So I, I have no regrets going there. And I got to see a lot of things. I got to see, you know, the tournament, this and that, uh, other players, you know. I, I don't regret it at all. I don't regret it because I think it kind of catapulted uh me into uh, uh onto another level after I transferred because I you know I was in a better space and uh I was a better player honestly 
I was going to say, you know, when you've made the decision to transfer, like from other schools' uh, standpoint, of course, you're at a, a big-time program that's had a lot of success. But actually, when, when they're trying to see game tape or see the contributions you've made, obviously, when you haven't played for, a, for you know, a, a lot over the course of the last season and a half, it's hard for them to say, oh, yeah, we want to take a, we want to take a, um, we want to, you know, bring you in um, because they don't actually know what you can do. Like, did you find that, actually uh, finding potential options was difficult or did you find actually because of the level of the school that you're at, uh, finding a school to transfer to was, was relatively easy? Uh, the school, because Fairmont State held, the name holds a lot of weight. So it, I don't, it wasn't really difficult to, to, to find other schools. And there was actually one game where the coach decided to play me where I had like 18 points in like 12 minutes and you know, that school, the school I actually did that against uh, picked me up. So that's the school I ended up going to after. But because of because it was Fairmont State and, you know, they knew how uh, it was. We were deep. We had a deep roster and the talent was absurd. So they kind of they kind of knew. And I didn't even have to go on a visit. They, ju- they just wanted me, you know. How did you find transitioning to a new school, new environment? Um was it easy? Was it difficult? Were there things that uh, were massively different from the situation you'd been in previously? Not because the situation I was in before, I wasn't playing, you know. So, and I was, you know, I was working. I was working hard. Uh, that the summer, I actually the summer between the transfer period, I, it was probably the hardest summer I've ever worked, you know, because I didn't want to be in this situation. I was before, so it was probably the hardest summer I've ever worked in my life. So going into going into the second school, I was I was more than confident, uh, you know. And getting there, I kind of made a, a. I knew going in, it's, it's all about first impression. So I made a, a strong a strong impression the the first week, and that, uh, you know, from there it just it just carried on. Of course, and you know, and that's for for context for people. You know, you, you transferred. All of a sudden, you know, you're starting. You're getting getting heavy minutes, and over the course of the two years, you average twenty and ten. Uh, you know, over the course of both both those two seasons, um, and suddenly, just yeah, you know, almost come out of nowhere. Do you feel like you had always had that ability? You just hadn't been given an opportunity to really show it, um, or do you feel like it was just a culmination of having had that? transition period to get used to the US, you know, having had a year and a half of, 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 of playing at a program, you know, even if it's just practicing and not getting as much game time, that then by the time you'd got to um, Virginia-wise, uh, you were you were just ready and it, and it kind of had all sort of come together at the right time. See, see I, I like to be honest with myself. So like the first year, the first, the half the half season I was there I knew a hundred percent I wasn't ready because it, it all just hit me and I was like you know wow I knew I wasn't ready but the second season I felt like you know I I could have played and I just wasn't given the opportunity the second season and you know uh, after I made the decisions to transfer I put all my focus even during that second season I knew I was going to transfer so I put all my focus into the next season, what what I'll do next season. Uh, I know I wasn't gonna play. He already, the coach already made his mind up. So when I was working out, I was working out for next season. I'm I'm glad I had something to look forward to because before that, I was you know I was like depressed. You know I was I was real sad. You know I wasn't playing. I didn't know what was gonna happen. And 
uh, you know, once once I had the the uh, I knew I had the opportunities to, that I knew I was going to play somewhere else. I, I put all that focus into into that. So when I got to Virginia, I was I was ready. This whole time, did you still have one eye on turning pro? Like, did you still think being a professional basketball player was an option? Was that still the dream, or was it kind of like I'm going to, you know, obviously I want to get my degree or whatever, play college basketball, and then afterwards I'll make a decision on kind of where I'm at. When I was at Fairmont, I had doubts. When I was at Fairmont, I had doubts if I was going to play pro because I was, I just wasn't in the, my mind wasn't there because I wasn't playing. But you know, when I when I knew I was going to transfer, I felt I saw a new light, and I and I thought like, okay, this 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 is an opportunity. I can still go pro because if you're not playing, you you can't go pro if you're not playing. It's going to be difficult. Even if you go pro, it won't be at a at a high level. So I kind of you know the when I when I uh, when I transferred, I knew I was gonna I was gonna play pro. So there's one game that stands out uh, from your college career, which I'm sure you know which one I'm referring to. But obviously, you had 38 points, um, and it was actually against against yeah. Fairmont, right? Um, how much of like first of all, I'd be interested just hearing uh, your own sort of take on on going into that game what your mindset was whether you were thinking I'm going to stick it to them to prove a point um and then I guess after the game like how much vindication that was for you of being able to just be like you know you made a mistake here like you could have played me or whatever I've gone in another situation now here you go here's a 38 here's a 38 point game to take with you back home <laughs> that, that's one of my one of my favorite games I enjoyed playing that game but you know going into that game all my teammates knew, uh, you know, how I felt about the situation at Fairmont. Uh, even though I wasn't really vocal about it, but they knew. And, you know, some of the players were just like, this is your game. You know, they, they kind of they, they, they boosted me and encouraged me and was like, this is your game. Like, uh, go ahead, go ahead, do your thing. So what kind of actually triggered it was the, was like the first, the first few possessions, I think, uh, the first possession I scored, and then you know, one of the the other team, uh, uh, the players from Fairmont, kind of were talking shit, and I don't usually talk shit when I play, so they were talk. They I don't know if I can curse. Yeah, that's no, it's fine. But they they were you know they they were uh, trash talking to me, and I you know I kind of uh, I didn't really say much, and then I think he, uh, one of the players scored on me, and then he was talking like really crazy to me and I was just like okay I came down I scored again and you know I don't know I kind of just blacked out I, I don't know what happened I was just I was just I was taking a lot of shots I was hitting step backs everything like, it was it was crazy and the blocking shots stealing stealing the ball all that kind of stuff the coaches even the coaches were trying to talk trash to me so I, I don't know I just I was just kind of up for that game and uh, going back, and I always go back and watch the film, and you know a lot of the things I was doing in the game, I don't even remember doing it. It's it's kind of like a you know out of body experience, but uh, it's it's one of the games you know I always wanted to go against. Fairmont. I've always wanted to beat Fairmont because I haven't beat Fairmont. The first time we actually played them, uh, they 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 kind of they destroyed us. So you know we played them again, and I was I was ready for that one. What was the nature of the the trash talking that they? What, what kind of stuff were they saying to you? 
you know, like if, you know, they're like, they he doesn't know what team he's on. He's still with us, this and that, you know. And, you know, it was it was just, <laughs> it was crazy. But I, I, I enjoy it, I enjoy it. Did you, did you, after the game, when you were shaking hands, doing the lineups or whatever, did you have any words for them? Or was it just a case of like, you know, the game spoke for, spoke for itself? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're like, I'm still cool with those guys. But, you know, on the court, it was just a different... It was a different energy. And it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't more towards the player. It was more towards the coach, if that makes sense. But I'm still, I'm cool with the player. So after the game, we still talk about it. Uh, And, you know, they they always talk about how, you know, I went crazy against them. But, uh, you know, they congratulated me. It it wasn't, you know, there's no hard feelings. It was more towards, it was basically between me and the coach. But uh, I'm still cool with those guys. What a great moment! So, um, when you obviously, you know, like I said, we, we, you had two very successful years there. Um, aside from you know having great stats, uh, you know, won a number of different um, awards. Uh, outside of that thirty-eight point game, what are the standout memories for you? Are there any other big, big things that kind of come to mind um, of your time there that you kind of, I guess, treasure uh, moving forward? I think there was another game, my career high, where I had uh, 42 points. I think that that was one of my. Uh, I, I like that because it was it was very it was it was a great. I probably missed like two shots the whole game, and you know, I was kind of mad because the coach took me out early. I could have went for 50, I think. <laughs> the coach took me out, but that was that was another game I I, I always think about, and I like that game. I was another game, my first game at UVA Wise. Uh, after transferring from Fairmont, I had 29 and 21. That game, I I never forget that game because I even got I got texts from the coaches saying, "Wow, like what happened? Why did you do that when you was with us?" You know, I I wanted to tell them you, you didn't play me, but you know, I didn't say that. <laughs> but that's another game I, uh, I I I can never forget. Amazing. So you 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 know you had your two years. You, you got the stats that you needed, and obviously you know turning pro started becoming a reality. Um, I guess when when you finish your time at UVA Wise and then making that transition to to pro life, uh, what happened? How did it play out? Like, was it a case of did you have agents hitting you up? Did you find an agent? Um, how did it come to sort of surveying your options of, of where you could potentially sign, and then why you ended up signing uh, in Spain? Uh, what you did? The the transition after graduating that it's like a it's kind of a scary transition because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where you're going to be. And I was in the States at the time. I didn't know if I was going to stay in the States. I didn't know if I was going to, you know, uh, whatever. I had a lot of agents hitting me up. But uh, I kind of, with agents, you have to, you got to know who, who you're, who you're going to sign with. You can't just sign with anyone. You got to do your research. And, um, you know, I was kind of, I was with uh, Rashad. Rashad was kind of helping me through the situation. And he was just—he's an agent right now. He was just uh, trying to become an agent, so it was kind of—he wanted to help me, and you know, uh, I wasn't sure what was—you know—I wasn't sure. I was kind of a little—I don't know how to say—but I was kind of—I um, wasn't sure about the situation with him because he was just starting up. I didn't trust him as much, so I was—but you know, right now I do. He's—he's he's my guy, and. Uh, there was another guy from Tangram. He's been talking to me since 
my uh since my first year at UVA Wise, he was he was looking at me when I signed at Fairmont. So I kind of trusted him. My he had a close relationship with my with my father too. So he would uh uh he would talk to him all the time. So he was kind of, kind of the guy I went with. And then what were the options that you had, you know, when you talk about sort of signing that first pro contract, uh, you know, did you have a lot of potential teams that you had options with or or were your choices rather limited and you were kind of thinking, well, I need to, you know, almost build my reputation again within the pros. You know, I've done it now at college level and now I need to do it within, at the professional level. Because I ended up signing with my, with my agency like last minute. It was a little too late. So a lot of the opportunities I could have had were out the window. So um, I, that's why I ended up signing with uh, in Spain, and it was I, you know at first I kind of thought I could have went higher this and that, but it, it's it, I, now looking back, it's, it was a good situation because uh, jumping into the pro life is is not easy. It's a whole different game to to the states, and it's more X's and O's, and you know it's it's a whole different game. And uh, going to Sony where I signed was kind of like a, a stepping stone, and I learned a lot from there. You, you can make mistakes, you know. It's it's one of those uh, teams where you know you can make mistakes and learn. And yes, yeah, so that you're gonna have to help me with how you pronounce the name of that team. Uh, Marin Peixe Gallego. Peixe Gallego, yeah, because it's spelled yeah, like P A I X E L A G or something like that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so that, that team was actually in Leb Silver when when you signed with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be interested in in kind of what the the standouts of of uh, like the biggest things of of professional life compared to college life. You know, like especially you know signing somewhere like Spain, where you know we've spoken about the transition to the states, where where the where the biggest thing was was the physicality, the athleticism, the pace. Where then you're then going to Spain, where actually. I would guess it's then, like you just mentioned, way more about X's and O's, X's and O's, way more about systems, uh, way more about reads. Um, but yeah, like what the what the big things for you were in terms of making that transition to, to professional basketball life. It's it's different, but my my coach was, was pretty patient, and you know I watched a lot of film with him, and he would point things out on this is how he wants me to do this is this is where he wants me to you know. Because before my my strengths were you know uh, I could drive the ball I was athletic I could you know sometimes I break plays and score through that even if you break plays in Europe and score sometimes it's like that was good but you know that's not what we want you know so I kind of I had to learn stuff like that and it's just it's just a different game like in in the states you score you score more off the individual individual talent you know um, isolation plays. All that kind of stuff, but in in Europe, it's more assisted baskets. A lot of their baskets are assisted, and that's what that's what I, that's what I kind of had to learn. How did you find being a professional at first? In the sense of your entire life now is dedicated to just basketball. You don't have the educational side of things. You're not trying to study at the same time. Like your life is literally basketball. It's it's different. It's different because when I was in the states, my my major was was tough. So. 50% of the time I was either in the library or 50% of the time I was on the court. So, you know, going into the pro life, it's like, wow, like, it's just basketball now. It's literally just basketball. And, you know, you, you can focus. You, you, got a lot of, you got a lot more time. Uh, and you can focus on 
strictly basketball. If you don't do extra things, you can do extra things, but you can literally focus just on basketball. And, you know, it's kind of, it's, it was a relief for me, you know, because the studying was crazy. Like, uh, some nights I couldn't sleep without studying a lot. But it's, I don't know, it's, it's completely different. Well, you, are there big things that you had to change about your game to adapt to professional life? When you think about your game in college compared to your game in the, in the pros, like, what were the biggest things that you had to adapt or, or, or things you had to change the quickest to be able to have success at the professional level? I think maybe slowing things down because in in the states it's like a hundred miles an hour you know and wherever if there's a blink of a a mismatch or a blink of a you know opportunity to score you take it while in the states you kind of have in the in europe you kind of have to slow things down and if if they run a play and this is who they want to take the shot this is who's going to take the shot you know and uh, those are the kind of things you you kind of have to slow things down, and it's literally X's and O's. If if the ball is supposed to be, if they're supposed to run a play and it's supposed to be reversed, and this guy's supposed to take the shot, then that's what's going to happen. While in the states, you know, the coach can tell you run this play, and you can literally change your mind and do something else. You know, and it's like it's 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 different. Uh, it's it's weird. It's it's hard to explain, but it's different. Culturally, how did you find it? moving to a different country and living in Spain? It's, it's, at first, it's, it's tough because in Marin, not a lot of people spoke English. Like, in the whole city, maybe five people spoke English. You know, and on the team, we had some English speakers, but uh, maybe, like, three or four of them could speak proper English, and the rest, you know, half and half. And, but I, I like the culture. It's, it's more, um, it's more chill. It's, it's chill. It's, like, I think going to the States kind of helped because in the States where I, w- where I was at is different to London. Like London is more fast paced, uh, you know, everybody's uh, tunnel vision. If they're going, you know, they, they don't socialize, they don't talk, da, 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 da. So going to the States kind of softened that up and I was more, going there I kind of learned to be more social, open, speak, speaking to more people. So when I got to Spain, you know, they're very, they're a lot more open than people in the, in the States. And, I had a family out there that, you know, they would invite me to, to their house. Me and the two other imports that invite me to their house, they spoke zero English. Zero English. So they kind of, you know, talking to them, I was kind of immersed in the situation. Like, talking to them kind of helped me with my Spanish. You know, I understand Spanish pretty well now. And, you know, it's it's just, it's a different culture. And, uh it's nice. It's nice. I was going to ask you. You know, you've been in Spain three seasons now, right? So, so yeah. Like, how has your grasp of the language uh, become? It's good. I can understand it. I can. I speak it when I have to speak it, but I can understand it uh, pretty well. Yeah, well, that's, and that's a great thing to have. It's just a life skill, anyway, isn't it? Like <laughs> um, carrying forward in the future. So that that uh, your rookie season with Marin, like um, you had a pretty good season, right? You ended up leading the team to promotion. So you ended up. Going through and and getting promotion to Leb, so that was Leb Silver, and you ended up getting promotion yeah. to to Leb Gold. Like, what was that like as an experience? Like in the playoffs, um, you obviously had a, a sort of very strong individual one, averaging over twenty a game. Like, uh, yeah, guess what? Your sort of standout memories and kind of recap um, that season for us, leading to that to that to that promotion. That season, it was it was a weird season because it was an up and down season. We didn't we like. Because uh, at first you have to make it to the top 
to the top group to to play the playoffs. So we kind of scraped it, making to the making it to the top group because they split the groups in half, and you know the bottom play for not getting relegated, and the top play for getting promoted. So we kind of scraped it to to making making it to the top group. Uh, we weren't even sure we were gonna, you know, we had plan we had uh, plans to to get promoted earlier on in the, you know, before the season signing there. It was one of our goals. So you know, uh, the season was kind of you know on and off, was going up and down. Then once we made it to the second group, we kind of figured it out and clicked, and you know, we just kept going from there, and it led to the promotion. But it's it's a it was a great experience, you know. Uh, the playoffs, you know, I had a I had a very uh, a good run in the playoffs. So uh, personally, I individually, it was it was a good experience. Is Marion quite a small town? It's pretty small. It's pretty small, but they have a they have a city close to it. It's about ten minutes away. It's a little bigger. So, what's the um, I guess the fan base like? Is it is it a big fan base? Like, you know, how how big of a of a deal was it for them to go from Leipzig to Levgold? It it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a big fan base, but it was the whole city was behind our back. And uh, it was a small city, but everybody was behind our back. You know, if we lose games, they're on our necks. If we win games, they're on our necks. So it was kind of. You know they were they were happier than us honestly because they've been trying to do it for you know a few years, and uh, the fans they're they're pretty cool man they they even till now they reach out to me and you know they they watch my games and 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 that but it was a pretty cool fan base. Making that decision in your second year to well I assume to re-sign because I assume on your rookie deal you didn't sign for two years. No, no. So making that decision to re-sign like. Um, how much of an easy decision was that for you? Was that about like kind of like I guess testing yourself at the next level and sort of seeing it through with the team that you started with? Um, did you have options to potentially sign elsewhere? Like, yeah, like what what factors went into the decision to to resign and then sort of have a have another go with the same team but at the next the next level up? I was you know leaving this leaving the team. I was thinking about. Uh, signing with another with another team in in Laboro. I knew I was going to play Laboro, so I was thinking of signing with other teams. But you know, uh, talking to my agent and uh, just looking at things, it was kind of it was a better opportunity to to stay because you get more opportunities. It, it's, it's, I was uh, stepping into Laboro. It's it's a different it's a whole different league, a, a step above Lab Silver. So you know, he kind of told me that you know if you go to Laboro. Uh, if you sign with this team, uh, the coach is is willing to make the transition easier for you. You know, you're gonna play a lot, this and that. So it was it was kind of an easy decision. And I like I know it's kind of of, of awareness. I, I knew that I knew the city. Uh, I knew the people. I knew a lot of people there. I felt felt like home. So when you talk about the gap between um, Le Plata, Le Oro, like how big of a gap is it? you know for you making that transition the next year into into the higher level like was it that much more difficult or was it kind of whereabouts what that you expected it to be like i'd just be interested in hearing kind of you talk about the, the difference in the levels it's i think it's 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 a huge gap not huge it's yeah it's a huge gap i'd say maybe it's in lev oro it's in lev silver you probably have like five six players that can that can play uh, on each team, while in Lev Oro, you have a whole roster. You know, uh, a lot more depth. 
a lot of depth. The the whole you know they can they can play and just the levels higher. The the bigs are bigger. The 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 guards are bigger. It's, and you have a lot of players from ACB playing that ball row too, and they play play in between. So um, this it's a huge gap, I'd say, especially the top teams of lab of Laboro, uh, it's, it's a huge gap. Do you feel like the step up to the ACB is another huge gap? It's, I'll say so, but the ACB is a, is a diff, it's a different game. It's more, um, with, with like, uh, like they have specialists, like for example, um, in ACB, in Laboro, you might have a player that can do a lot of things. Well, and yeah, they can do a lot of things, but if you put them in ACB, they don't need them to do all those things. It's maybe a specific thing. Like they bring you to ACB and you're a defensive player, you're, that's what you're going to be. They bring you to ACB and you're, let's say, a pick and roll player, that's you. You're a passer, you're a big, you screen and roll, and that's all you do. Like it's, it's specific. While in that borough, it's kind of, you can do a lot of things. So that second season, um, you obviously you had another good year with, with solid numbers, uh, and then, in fact, that would have been the season that would have then ended up being cut short by COVID. Yeah. So what happened? Where were you uh, in the season, and I guess kind of how did that end up playing out in terms of what it meant for you for the end of the the season? So at first, I think uh, it all started in in March, yeah. and or a little before that. So. I was there. I was in. I was in Spain, and you know, at first they told us uh, this weekend we don't play. So we're like, okay, we don't play. Uh, then got to the weekend. Monday morning, they were like, okay, no practice. Like, okay, no practice. And then a few days after, it was like, okay, the season might be done. And we're like, okay, we didn't know what was going on. Then they were like, okay, the season's done. Oh no! This, they said the season the season's postponed uh, for a few weeks, and they said the players could go home. They said the Spanish players could go home. So all the Spanish players went home. They didn't want the imports to go home because they know if the imports went home, we probably wouldn't be able to travel back. So they kept us there for you know another two three weeks. Then they told us, okay, I think the season might be done done, or it's either done or we come back in a month and play. And they were like, okay, we want we want to give you the option to either go home or either come back uh, or you can stay. And But they were hinting, they wanted us to stay actually because, you know, if there was a chance of the season starting, we'd stay, uh, we'd, we'd be right there. And um, so we ended up we ended up just going home because there's no point. We, we were there for like a month and a half and, Nothing was going on, so we ended up going home, and we ended up finding out that the season was was done. You know? Wow! And so you were back in London for the lockdown. I was back in London, yeah. Because fun, funnily enough, when I was googling, uh, one of the 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 results that came up was a Getty Image result of you working out during lockdown in Elephant and Castle somewhere. Like, did you did you do some type of photos for some sort of newspaper article where they were trying to find athletes that that were struggling to yeah. work out? Like. What, yeah, like what was what was the story for you like that summer, like last summer, like trying to find somewhere to work out, like and obviously work on your game and ensure that you know you're in shape and, and good for this year. Like, how much of a challenge was that for you being back in London? Oh, it was it was the worst. I I don't think I I saw an indoor court maybe once the whole the whole time I was back. So 
Annette, the thing with uh, Elephant and Castle, I was working out outdoors. I was literally just shooting around, and I saw a lady. She was taking photos of me, and I didn't really pay too much attention. I was just shooting. And she was like, oh, what's your name? She was talking to me, this and that. And then uh, she's like, okay, we're doing a little article about uh, this, uh, about um, athletes and uh, people just uh, playing outdoors and stuff. And I didn't tell her I play professional or anything. So, oh, what's your name, this and that. So she took my she took my email, she took my number, she took my socials. And she saw I play professionally. She Googled my name and she was like, wow, like you actually play professionally, this and that. So uh, she just made a big deal about it, made an article. It was pretty cool. And yeah. Put some photos up. But it was it was probably one of the most, it, it was very challenging this, this summer. Everything was outdoors, literally everything. And I didn't, I probably saw an indoor court once. And that was probably like a week before I left. And, you know, coming here, it was, you know, the beginning was, was tough because, you know, the, I hadn't played indoors. The lines are different. You know, I've been used to shooting. I didn't know what lines was this. A basket was like the, the one of the baskets was like this. One of the baskets was like that. So it was it was different. It was different. It was very challenging. I was gonna say so yeah. This season, obviously, with Karuna, is that is that how you pronounce it, Karuna? Karuna. Karuna. Um, yeah. Did you? I was gonna say like at that during the preseason stage and kind of bringing everyone. You know, I assume that most of the players are in a similar situation where they haven't played that much compared to what they would normally do during the off season. Uh, was it? a case of it was clear that everyone was really, really rusty and, and it took a little while for everyone to kind of get into the flow of things a little bit. Yeah, probably like probably like half of the team because some of the players they stay they they're Spanish so they had access to a lot of the a lot of the stuff, a lot of the um, facilities. Mm-hmm. Some of the players were coming from the States also. They have facilities in the States. So probably like half of the team was out of shape, I'd say. Yeah, and so ha- this season, uh, you obviously you're having your team is second. Is your your team second in the league at the moment? So yeah, having like a relatively yeah. strong season. Like obviously, it's your first professional season outside of uh, Marin, like in a different place. Mm-hmm. Like, ha- how have you found it? And of course, you're also dealing with you know the uncertainty around COVID, and I'm assuming there's potentially been games that have been postponed, and you're having to do self-isolating yeah. and tests and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, like ha- how has it all been going? It's it's been going well. It's glad you know. I'm happy that you know we're winning a lot of games. It, I, I started off rough because uh, I had I had minor injuries at the beginning of the season where I missed maybe like five six games, and you know I'm I'm been easing my way into you know into the rotation now. But we got a we've got a really solid team. You know we got a lot of guys that have played ACB on the team. We've got a deep roster in my position. We got like three, four players in my position and, you know, everyone on the team can play. And it's, it's, it's a, we got a very competitive roster. That's why, you know, we're, we're at the top of the league. And it's, it's, I'm glad, I'm glad with this team. So just quickly, as we start, sort of start coming towards the end, I just want to briefly speak about um, representing the Ireland national team. Uh, obviously it was the summer of 2018, I think was your first, was your mm-hmm. first call up with the senior team playing in the small countries uh, championship which, uh, yeah, was obviously a, a, a decent a decent tournament for you personally. Um, how, how did that call up come about? And I guess, uh, what would you say about your time with, with the Irish national team? It was it was pretty random. I got an email from from someone on the you know I didn't know I didn't even know they had a team because before I went to the states, 
uh, I wanted to play for the for the young team. I think it was uh, under 21s or something like that. I want to play for the young national team. And I looked it up, and they didn't have they didn't have a team. So I didn't know they even had a team. So when I was in the I was in I think I was in the states when they actually messaged me, and I got a, a email asking about you know uh, they heard that I'm Irish this and that and uh, would I be willing to play for the team and. I was like, why not? You know, so they they flew uh, flew out there and uh, worked out with the team. They're like, okay, we're happy with what we've seen. We want you to play for the team. Uh, we ha- this is when we're gonna play this and that. So ended up playing with them. Uh, we did we did pretty good. We did we did pretty good. We came third. We had a few. We had a a lot of our. Uh, they well they said a lot of the main players couldn't play this season for various reasons and. Uh, even still, we we did decent. We came third in the in the tournament, and you made all star five as well, right? Made all star five too, so it was pretty cool. So you do you have a passport from the fact that you lived there from the age of five to sixteen? It was like you have, you got citizenship that way. Yeah, and my my brothers and sisters were born there. My younger brother and sister were born there, so okay. we all just you know. We yeah. applied for the Irish, and we just got the Irish, you know. And then you did, you did, uh, you did three on three with them as well, right? Three on three, yeah. Obviously, that's been a massive push from FIBA, and of course, in England, we've got the Commonwealth Games. Uh, three on three uh, is going to be happening in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two. I don't know, one of the two. Um, I'd just be interested in hearing your experiences of, of three on three. What do you think about that? Like, do you think that that is, uh, you know, it's going to be in the Olympics? Like, do you think that's that's something that is potentially going to be um, as big as five on five, do you think it could be as big as five on five? And for you as a player, like, what's the experience of playing in it when you compare it to to five on five? Or does it feel a bit too street, a bit too unorganized to compare to to five on five? I think I think it's it's a completely different game, but I think it should be as big. I had a lot of fun playing in it. I think it should be as big as uh, as five on five. Like, it's it's a whole different. Like, it's 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 hard to explain. You got to play it to understand. But it's it's a little streety, but it's it's fun, you know. You you get to the shot clock is like twelve seconds. You basically get to shoot it every time you touch it, you know. As soon as you rebound it, you go back out. It's a fun. It's it's very fun. I think it should be. I think a lot of people should play. Honestly, they they also made the ball a little bit smaller, so it's easier to palm and so that you can get more dunks and stuff like that. Like <laughs> yeah. it's um yeah, super interesting. I like the thing is I I don't mind it, but I, I'm always like, would I get excited as excited about watching you know GB versus Ireland or whatever like as I would if it was five and five? Like I don't know if I wouldn't as a spectator sport when you're talking about like it being a big serious thing. Like I don't know if I I don't know if I see it. Um, but at the same time. You know, if if everyone's fielding their best players, like it would be interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's it's super interesting. Anyway, I digress. Right, we got we got to start wrapping up. So I'm going to give you some some quick fire questions um, to finish with, uh, and we're going to start with your favorite basketball memory. Favorite basketball memory? I don't know. Hmm. I thought you were going to instantly say your 38 point game, but. I was. It's definitely between that and my first game at UVA Wise. Yeah. It's one of those two. Okay. But I, I would say more, 
more my first game at UVA wise. Okay. Where I had twenty one and uh, twenty twenty nine and twenty one was well, my favorite moment. Why Why do you think that one gets the edge? Is that because of the fact that like you'd just done a year and a half of kind of not seeing the floor, not struggling? It was just like it was a kind of proof that I knew that I could do this. I knew I just needed an opportunity. Yeah, it was that. It was definitely that because you know going into the game, I was just like, okay, I had nerves, but I hadn't played in a year and a half, literally. And I came back and I, you know, I came back and I did that and it kind of, you know, gave me validation like, okay, I'm good. I can play because I had doubts at Fairmont, you know, not playing a year and a half. You're going to have doubts. So that first game was like, yeah, I can play. The best British player that you've played with or against? The best British player I've played with or against? Hmm. One of the players that gave me problems, it was when I was getting good, was Bode. He plays for um, Hemel now. Oh, Bode Adeluola. Bode. He, he gave me so much work. <laughs> like, he literally destroyed me. So, you know, I, you know he was one of, he's one of my favorite players. Best coach you've ever played for and why? Best coach. Coach you've ever played for and why? Best coach i played for? I would say, hmm, I would say Sam Sam Stiller. Sam Sam Stiller. He was he was his IQ was crazy. Like he, you know, he taught me a lot of things uh, IQ wise. When did, like when did you play for him? The combination was he played for HCC and I played for NASA. Uh, also. And you played for NASA. I played for NASA well. a little bit. Yeah, I played for NASA a little bit also. Okay. So he, he he helped me a lot. The best individual performance that you've ever witnessed? Witness. Like playing against or playing against just or even just yeah, just in person. Like have you ever seen someone completely go off? There was one guy in my league, he used he he had he started off playing, you know, um when he played his first two seasons, he played in Concord. He was averaging like maybe 10 or 11 points. And then out of nowhere, he just, he, you know, he had like 40, he had like 40 points back to back to back to back. And it was just something to watch. And then the season after he ended up averaging, he led the country in scoring. He ended up uh, averaging like 35, 36 points. And he, there was one game he had like 50 in the tournament. And that was great to watch. His name was Tommy Bolt. Okay, and then finally, uh, the future for you, like next sort of three to five years, like what are your aspirations, what are you trying to achieve basketball-wise? Um, you know, of, of course, you know, three years in, you spent your entire time in Spain. Do you want to see see and play in other countries? Like kind of what are you aspiring uh, to do uh, in the next three to five years? Like next three to five years, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to play at the, the highest level uh, I can possibly play at, whether that's in Spain, whether that's in you know, if I have opportunities in other countries, I wouldn't mind exploring that. But I'm trying to, you know, play at a, a high level and then, you know, get paid. That's, you know, that's the that's always everybody's <laughs> plan, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> so I'm looking forward to right now. Makes perfect sense. Cool. That's a, the perfect place to leave it. Um, thank you so much uh, for taking the time on this Sunday morning. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. Obviously, good luck with the with the rest of the season. Uh, we'll be following, and uh, hopefully, I will see you back in London at some point uh, this summer.
for sure. This summer will be good to, to catch up. Uh, I had fun on this. Thank, thanks a lot. Man. Hey, podcast listener. That you weren't expecting to hear from me again. Now that you've listened to the show, please take two seconds to take your podcast player out of your pocket and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be massively appreciated and goes a long way in helping us spread this content far and wide. Literally take your phone out of your pocket right now, uh, open up your podcast player, go to the Hoops Fix podcast, you'll see the option to leave a rating and review. Drop us a five star if you love it and uh, if you could take two seconds just to write a review as well, it would be massively, massively appreciated. Thank you and speak to you next week. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.